mentioned last week that not all hurts are the same. Some hurts create, obviously, because of their impact in our lives, some wounds create what they kind of joked about, but they, create, they do create crisis of forgiveness. I mean, it's, it, where it's really hard to get past it, where it's a struggle, it's a war, it's a battle, it's hard to let it go. And um, those big things um, we're probably aware, but the, there are also a lot of little stuff in life that we find that really, although they may bother us, they're not really uh, that difficult to overcome and get past. And we might, so what we might say is that some things are little wounds and, um, you know, they're more, they're more just little hurts, little uh, misdemeanors, if we will. And there the challenge is just to guard against overreacting. But there are big wounds in life where the challenge is far more profound and uh, anything short of a long and hard forgiveness is probably going to be inadequate. And so how to get there, how to talk about, I mean, the, the big wounds, I think we're all aware of, of what they are. Um, we talk about things frequently that happen in our lives that, that really impact us. It's, I can't tell you how many stories I've heard from people about just things that occurred in their family life growing up, or the feelings of being either betrayed or abandoned. Um, you know, it's just, it, those, are, those are real things. So they, I, we, we see people and, and just getting into stuff and uh, ended up getting, real, getting really wounded and hurt by other people, relationships that break apart and leave this deep bitterness in the hearts, and someone who's supposed to be committed to us betrays us. Um, others speaking things about us that really impact how we see ourselves and we carry that with us for a number of years. I mean, it's, just, it's a lot, lot of things that uh, happen that are definite wounds. They're like gashes into our spirit, into our person, and they, they affect us. And it's not just so easy to say, oh, let's just get past it. It's, it's actually very difficult. Those big wounds, though, um, often, you know, are, are things that we recognize, but I'm going to try to uh, address in the time, a lot of the time that we have here the impact of the, the little hurts of life, the wounds, the things that we take offense over, the minor offenses of life that bog us down. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest that really mar and ruin our ability to move forward with God. One of the things that we know is this, that if we are going to live joyfully and well, that we have to really guard against turning minor offenses into crises of forgiveness. If we do that, we're going to be miserable. We have to learn how to negotiate past things and let things go. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to show you a verse, a verse that means a lot to me. Um, I was thinking about this subject. I was dwelling on it. This verse came to my mind. It's in Proverbs 19.11. We're going to put it up. And in Proverbs 19.11, there's this uh, statement that is made about taking offense and being angry. And I want us to note it. It says, the discretion of a man, or in this case, that's an inclusive term, of a man or a woman, makes them slow to anger 
and his glory is to overlook a transgression. And I was thinking about this whole idea, just as you, as you ponder this verse, and don't run past it, but try to really think about what it's actually saying. And a lot of what we're going to be doing here as we make our way through is to bring up some things for us to discuss and reflect on and interact around, hopefully with other people and uh, in, in conversations and in prayer, just about this whole subject. But this idea of discretion that causes, them, causes us to live in a way that makes our fuse, instead of being a short fuse, a long fuse. That we're talking about the, a kind of way of approaching things that keeps us from overreacting. Uh, it's essentially an understanding of what is uh, appropriate or proportional. Because a lot of times what happens, our reaction is disproportionate to the wrong done to us. And if anything, it causes an escalation to occur that ends up becoming a far larger problem than it needed to be. This happens all the time in relationships. It happens all the times. It can happen in friendships. I mean, what we're talking about here is the ability to not get sucked into an argument, into a, into a dispute that's going to get out of control because certain buttons are pushed. And there's this, this, but rather the ability to exercise a degree of restraint and not do the react. Because a lot of the real problem that comes is in the react. It's, it's in what follows the initial movement, the initial word that was said. And again, we talk about these little wounds. We talk about things like, you know, they, what they, somebody said this, or what someone didn't say, or what she did, or what he didn't do, or what I told that person, and they ended up telling somebody else, and it got back to me, or you made a promise, and you didn't keep your commitment, and you should have done that. You did it again, and it's sort of this whole idea of, you know, the things that uh, someone uh, annoys us, they bother, they bother us, it's kind of the way they, they talk, or we felt snubbed, overlooked. You know, we can go on on all the different things that we can find offense over, or we feel like we weren't really cared for, or we were taken for granted, that, that there was an assumption made about where we were at on something, and, and then we were just uh, sort of walked on. Um, or someone didn't say thank you, and really we went out of our way, and we were at least hoping for some kind of acknowledgement, and we got nothing. And so all of a sudden now, instead of just the blessing of giving something, we're now having to struggle with the offense of it not being acknowledged the way that we were hoping it should have. And sometimes the whole blessing is undermined over these little things. A little word said that, that someone takes in a way, what do you mean by that? And then all of a sudden, well, what do I mean? And then all of a sudden, next thing we're doing, we're th you know, I'm telling you, it's happening. This happens a lot. I mean, this happens to us all the time. I was thinking about my, my own, you know, my own family, my own life, and how oftentimes it's just a little tripwire. Someone says something, someone then responds, and all of a sudden I'm saying stuff, something, and by the time we're done, it's just a, it's a, it's a big mess, and, and, and something, things were said that, that didn't need to be said. Sometimes we reach back and we make, make statements that we know are going to do damage because you hurt me and I'm going to hurt you back. And all of a sudden, we've got bad feelings everywhere and there's a wall in the house or in the, the, there's tension. You know, some, some of us, our anger shows up by what we say. Others of us, we pull back when we get angry. We turn inward. We stop talking. We begin to you sh we shut you out. You hurt me. I may not hurt you back because some of us are better at talking maybe than others. Others of us, we respond in like kind though by, by not saying anything, but we won't. We, but, but you know and I know I, I, I'm very upset with you. 
And that kind of an environment, when it becomes habitual, is very destructive and unhealthy. And I'm going to suggest that it is not something that is ultimately going to be life-giving and certainly not what God wants in our lives. There's another interesting verse closely connected to this whole idea of being slow to anger. In James 1, verses 19 and 20, some of us might be familiar with it, the scripture tells us that we must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Why? Because the anger of a person does not, human anger does not produce the rightness or the righteousness that God really desires. This is a great verse for us to ponder and reflect on. There's so much going on here that we may initially not notice. This whole idea about having genuine, a genuine ability to hear someone out rather than making an assumption about what they're saying. How many times are we reacting, our initial react is actually missing the larger point? And so what is it that's in us that, that causes us sometimes to become so quick to defend ourselves, so quick to, to try to um, uh, cover back or to hurt back when we've been hurt? I mean, there's, it's, it's kind of really interesting. The Bible says, be be quick to hear. Try to hear people out. Hear the hurt behind the word, perhaps. Seek to understand is the, another phrase that's often used. But when we're in a defensive posture, it's very difficult to try to understand what a person's really saying. And a lot of times what we do is we, don't, we aren't slow to speak. We're actually very rash to speak. And we react and we say things. And, we re, and a lot of times we say things, and I know I've done this, where afterwards I wish, I really wished, I could have taken that back. And if I could have, even as it was coming out of my mouth, I, I would have said, I don't really mean that. And afterwards, we might feel badly, and we try to resolve, and it's a good thing to do, but how much better would it have been not to have said it? Especially to people, listen, we, we do this to people we love far too easily. We demean. And there's something about the reality of, of the Christian life that it is supposed to affect our speech patterns. It does. How we talk to one another matters to God. And how we talk to other people matters. But I'm going to say that a lot of times we're so quick to speak and we get angry. And a lot of us, that anger, and it, it shows up in our relationship. Let me tell you something else. The Bible says in Proverbs as well, in the, in the I think it's the 16th chapter, verse 32, it says this, that... He that is slow to anger, the person that is slow to anger is actually, think about this phrase, is actually better than the mighty. One version I read said that it is better to be patient than powerful. That it's better to be patient than powerful. That this whole idea that, that being able to not to control, to have enough self-control that we're not just simply flying back at someone. Uh, this idea of being he that, he that rules his spirit, or the person that can rule his spirit, is actually greater than a person who can conquer a city. That, that, that in God's eyes, there is a value, listen, in self-control. One of the fruits of the spirit, one of the, one of the qualities of the spirit's presence, the spirit of God's presence in our lives, that is to show up. If you read Galatians, the fifth chapter, you'll read the list of the fruit of the Spirit and the qualities and characteristics of what happens when God's presence is actively at work in our lives. And one of the qualities that is listed is the quality of self-control. That there, as we draw closer to God and begin to appropriate His words and we actually begin to apply, apply it in real ways to our lives, it's going to show up in the way we treat one another. And that we're, we're going to be far more open and, 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 and able 
to, again, think about responsible. I mean, responsibility, we use that word, but what is it? We have the ability to choose our response, that, that God wants to teach us how to exercise greater self-control, especially when we feel hurt or offended, when something isn't working right, and, and someone says something to us, does something to us. Again, this idea of not blowing things way out of proportion and creating something that didn't need to be, creating a lot of strife. Listen, there's enough trouble that finds its way into our lives just living in a, in a broken world that doesn't work right all the time. And then to add on to that, to carry and create strife in our relationships, in our homes, in our friendships, or even in our workplaces. I mean, honestly, stuff, so some stuff we cannot control, but there's a lot of stuff that we actually have a lot more effect on than we realize. And so the Bible is talking about this. And I, I want to, if we can, go back to that, that 19th verse again, because I want to, I want to, because the Bible is talking about our ability to rule over our reactions and reign in our anger. But look at that verse again. Because the first part of it is what we've sort of looked at, this idea of being slow to anger, right? But it's the second phrase that actually brought me here. I mean, I was thinking about this verse. I, was, I, I, I had actually only remembered the second part of it. And the way I had remembered it growing up was the glory of a, of a man is to, is to, is to cover you know, a fault, you know, and I, but it says here, his glory is to overlook a transgression. Now, I want you to think about what that verse means. This is a, this is, this has something, there's something that someone after service last night, and actually this happened the week before as well. Someone came up to me and they said, you know, you've been talking about this idea of forgiving and hurts and stuff like that. And I could tell that they said, but you know, they had this question. They said, you know what, does that mean that this phrase here that we're supposed to just let certain things go by when they're clearly not good. He was, in this case, this person was saying, you know, I manage people, and a lot of times there's stuff happening, and I feel like I need to address it, and does that mean that I'm not supposed to do that? And I said, you know what, you listen to this. Let me tell you what that verse isn't saying. That verse isn't saying that we don't need boundaries. It's not suggesting that it doesn't matter um, that, you know, because we all talk about it, that a river without a boundary is a flood. I mean, it, there are times where we need to say to something that it's wrong, it's unhealthy, where, that the loving thing to do is not to pretend it's okay. That actually that's the most unloving thing we can do is to say what is clearly unhealthy and wrong and damaging here is okay, and we all just pretend, pretend there's no problem. The Bible never talks about us living in delusion. It doesn't talk about not addressing things that are clearly going to be destructive and need to be addressed. In fact, it says that love, if you read 1 Corinthians 13, love rejoices. One of the qualities of love is that it rejoices in truth. But how we deliver that truth, how we, how we act upon that truth, is, is a you know, whole different issue. But clearly the scriptures do not teach us, and that verse was, the verse is not referring to the idea of a transgression just being overlooked when it, clearly something's very wrong here. It's not talking about um, letting stuff go on that, that needs to be addressed. It's not in any way assuming that we're supposed to just, you know, let things be when they're, they're not good. Okay, so let's just make that really clear. But what this, what this is talking about, it's talking about the little stuff or the stuff that comes our way where really we need to make a decision. Are we going to get hung up on this thing? Uh, there's, there's an element of graciousness that this verse is describing that has to do with making a choice not to take offense. 
it has to do with a lot of things that bog us down in our relationships. We could, if we were only looking for the justice of the issue, latch on and be exacting. And what this verse is telling us is there's something about the gracefulness that learns to, to forgive and let something be. You know what? Don't worry about it. It's okay. And to really mean it. Where someone says something, it hurts us. We heard, we come, you know what? I'm not going to let it, uh, I'm not, someone does something, I'm not, I'm not going to hold on to that. You know what? I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose to let it pass. Because you know why? How many things does God let pass in our lives? How many of us, and we are very aware of our own need, if we were to be judged severely by God, none of us here could stand. We all have been forgiven and are forgiven on a regular basis by a God who loves us so much. And he does not hold us accountable. He's, the, the, the amazing thing about the Lord is he, his love is, unre, is unrelenting. And we understand that at the same, sometimes it's, it's, a, it's even a challenge to learn how to receive that. But I'm going to tell you, if we can be loved by God, that he, what I'm saying is that's got to affect, it's got to affect our relationships. It's got to affect how we treat people. It's got to affect how we get past things. A lot of us latch on to stuff and it's, we get so locked into this has to, they have to pay for, they have to be held. They, you know, and, and what happens is we, 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 we lock in to the justice and we forget the need for mercy. And the Bible says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Sometimes we're holding on to stuff and we need to let it go. That the gracefulness that God wants to see worked out in our lives is the ability to let a transgression pass. To, to say, you know what, don't worry about it. Again, I, I say, you know, it's, and, and I think a lot of times people, you know, we're, I tell, people, we're offended, somebody says something, and we're mad at them, and one of the things that makes us even more mad is when they're not even aware of what they did, and they look really happy, and we are very upset, and what's making me more upset is that they don't even know that they upset me and what they did, and I want to tell them. But then this is, verse is not saying that we walk up to somebody and say, you know what, you offended me, or you hurt me, or you said this, but you know what? I've decided that I'm going to forgive you for all the rotten things you said to me and did to me, but I forgive you. Now, actually, actually, it's maybe sometimes where real, what this was really talking about is us maybe not saying anything. Maybe we don't make a display about about it. Maybe this is something we just say, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. God forgives me so much all the time. Other people have loved me when I didn't deserve it. You know what? Let it, I'm not, not going to hang on to this. I'm not going to hold this thing. I'm not going to let it just ruin me, bug me, you know, irritate me. It's just, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to surrender this thing to the Lord. This idea of overlooking a fall. I, I, one last verse, I'll show you it. In Proverbs, and I like this one. It says that love prospers when a fault look is forgiven. That's where love grows in an environment of forgiveness. You want to have a, we want to have a house that's filled with, with love. We want to have friendships that have genuine love in them and caring. We want to have an environment that's healthy and life-giving where things grow. But let there be a lot of forgiveness in that place. Let us choose not to hold grudges and to be petty. Let's choose not to squeeze out vengeance and to repay but learn how to be honestly peacemakers on the little wounds of life. We will always have reasons to be hurt. We hurt, listen, we hurt 
other, we are hurt and we hurt. That, that's just reality. We will all, we all the, the ability, the, the willingness on our part to let things be. Look at this, it says, by dwelling on it, friendships. Close friendships are ruined. Good relationships marred beyond repair because a little thing is being held on to when honestly, is it really that, that big of a deal? Do we really want to burn the bridge? Do we really want to, in this short life that we have, get so stuck in things? Or can we take a different approach to it? Can we say, Lord, give me the gracefulness to get past this and not to hold on to it? This little wound or these series of little wounds can become something really big if we don't address them. And God wants to teach us how to do that. I mentioned, hey, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just make some, uh, give us a little bit of a tool as we close out this discussion. I'm going to suggest that there are certain things that we can do around the big and little hurts of life. Let me say firstly, and we'll kind of use a language that will, is sort of connected. We're going to say that one of the first things we need to do is have what I'm calling a proper diagnosis. And what I mean by that is simply this, that we need to ask ourselves a question. Is this thing that I'm being affected by really a little wound or is it a big wound? And sometimes we will find that we are treating what is actual, act, in actuality a little wound like it's a big wound. Because here's the deal, if it's a little wound, then the real challenge is that we are not to blow it out of proportion. But if it's a big wound, then what we have to be guarding against is not so much this idea of blowing it out of proportion and overreacting and making a bigger deal of it than it needs to be. But if it's really, if it's a big wound, then that's a whole other issue because what we've got to guard against is getting bitter, holding a, a, a rage inside of us that shows up, allowing it to begin to define us as a victim so that we are, we are actually imprisoned by the wrong done to us instead of being free. And so how we look at uh, something and, and, and say, this really is just, you know what, I really, I, I'm really making something much bigger than it really is. So a proper diagnosis. And then if we understand what it is, then there's a particular way we're to treat it. So we'll call this an appropriate treatment. Once something, once something is discerned as something that maybe is either a small wound or a, or a big wound, there's a corresponding way to approach it. For example, if it's a little, if it's a smaller wound, really, <laughs> you know, and I, I put, the, I did put this passage in your handout from Philippians 2. The reason I did, just because when it comes to little wounds, really the challenge is to be Christ-like in the way in which we deal with this. For example, Paul writes this and he ends up, this whole passage is worth revisiting, but he ends up talking about how the name of Jesus above every name. This is a great declaration that's made in this passage. But one of the things that he was talking, he was writing this, we often forget where this, what is the context. Paul is writing to a group of believers who are fighting with one another. And there, there's a lot of discord and tension and grievance. And they're not getting along. There's not the spirit of unity that needed to be there. He's saying, you guys are holding stuff. You're, 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 your love is being too conditional. There's too much happening here. You're, you're, you're getting locked up over stuff. You don't. He's, and so then it causes him to say, you know what? And that's the key, that verse 5. He says, you know what? You know what the mindset you need to have? He says, we need to, he says, we need to have the mindset of, let this mind be in you, which was in Jesus. And what does it say Jesus does? He takes the humble, in verse, in verse 7, he takes the humble position, where do you do it? He takes the humble position as a slave. I mean, really, honestly, and this is this whole point here as he's trying to make is that Jesus showed us the way to get through small offenses. And it looks a lot like being Christ-like. And what does Christ-likeness look like? It looks like 
taking the humble place. And that sometimes goes against the grain of what we want to do. We don't want that. There's something about the towel that offends us. They should pay. They're in the wrong. Da-da-da. I'm not going to. Forget that. If anybody's going to apologize, it's going to be them. But you know, honestly, does it, does it really matter? I mean, at the end of the day, how, how are we to walk in the way of Christ? I mean, look, some of us, look, we're not being asked to die. People, there are people in other parts of the world that to serve Jesus, to say I'm a believer, is costs them greatly. We're not even, look, it's, we're, we're just being asked to try to live this out. And, and a lot of times we know it say, well, well, you know, I come to church, I give, okay. But it, when we're challenged about a relational issue and God gets our attention on it, what do we do? Do we take the humble place? Do we work for reconciliation? Do we try to get past the wounding? Do we say, you know what, God's loved me more than I've ever deserved. I love you back. Do we, how do we do? Are we suffering? Are we willing to suffer long and work with people? Are we willing to, look, these, these, when little, how we ap- approach little wounds is going to say a whole lot more about the reality of our love for God, really. How we show, how we forgive, how we live. Now, when it's a big wound, that's a whole different treatment, isn't it? Because when it's a big wound and it's a huge gash into our spirit, it's affecting our, even our, our whole self-esteem, our ability to love others. I mean, that's, that's going to require, and we're going to see it in the weeks ahead, applications of, of continual of forgiveness at work in our lives. There are some things that we've got to forgive and we've got to forgive again. Some things that the way God's designed it, are he, are, it's, going to take a, it's going to take a while. But you know what? The forgiveness. I'm going to say that there are some things that are so powerfully impacting in our lives that without us drawing close to God and learning how to develop a vibrant living relationship with Him, we're going to have a very hard time getting truly better. There are some, some scars that infect us, I mean some wounds that infect us so deeply that we, and we're, going to need to, we're going to need to draw close to God. We're going to need to get around other people who are going to challenge us in love, who are going to be able to pray with us. We're going to have to learn how to live in community and be more vulnerable. We're going to have to learn how to grow. But over time, I believe, and I've seen it, I've seen it, that as, as forgiveness is learned as a way of life and as we begin to grow past it, the Holy Spirit is working. If God's working in our lives, it starts to show up. And all of a sudden, and this is, it'll be the last piece, that produces, and I think what we need is a healthy expectation. Not just a proper diagnosis and an appropriate treatment, but a, a healthy expectation, especially around this idea of the big wound, because you know why, listen, a lot of times we are, we are too impatient with the process. We want, we want it to go away so fast. But there are some things that we came, into, we came to Christ with such a devastating infection inside of it. It's a wound. It's been, it's been affecting us for years. And some of it, it just got passed right down to us. And, and, and others of it, we stumbled into it. But it hurt us bad. And we come in with an, it's there. And part of what the Lord begins to do is he begins to take the infection away. And over time, and I, I, I can't tell, it starts to heal up. And all of a sudden, that wound that was so real and so, so true in the sense that it was always there, it's, it, it, it changes from something that's in a kind of infected wound. It's defining me in my darkest hours. To all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, it's healing, and, 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 it, and it turns into a, a scar. 
somebody came to me afterwards and said, it's not just a scar. They, you know, they said, it's a beauty mark. They said, <laughs> I said, okay, okay. <laughs> you know? I, I, I knew what they were saying. They were saying, look what God can do. He can take my deepest wound, and he can make it good. And it becomes a testimony of God's grace for other people. So that scar reminds me of what God can do all the time, and it's a blessing. It's a blessing in the sense that I, remember, I see what God has done. And the whole idea of, of getting better and being patient with the process and growing as the years go by, but there will, if we're doing this thing right, there's going to be evidence that's going to show up. So on the small wounds, on the little offenses, we are to press ourselves towards Christ's likeness. We are to challenge ourselves not to harbor things, to forgive, to let it go, to not take offense so quickly. But on the big things, we need to have be patient. Let the Lord begin to work in our lives. Um, let, let His grace fill our lives so that we can begin to be, uh, you know, really honestly recovering and growing and replenishing and life-giving in our own, it, just, it starts to flow out of our life. That is what I believe God wants to do. That's the business we're in. It's getting people better with God. He said, I've come that you might have life, I think, wholeness, and have it more abundantly. There's not a time where I think, you know, Lord, you were wounded that we might be made whole. You were broken. And every time we take communion, you were broken so that we might be made whole. It is a promise. It is a promise from God. It's a gift from God to us. And he says, because I live, you can live also.